This is Fusion Music Radio's Birds of a Feather, and I'm Professor P. Soup, indie rock and radio le- Oh, God, who am I kidding? Okay, and what are we? We are an indie music-focused, but we talk about anything we feel like, really, show ripe with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting and unhinged banter, uh, fascinating fun features, and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you. And the architect and my co-host... Introduce yourself, dear. Well, I am Christina Baldwin, vocalist for the Southern California band Ascent, and uh, your very, very uh, rookie-ish uh, co-host. You're already a legend. Face it. I faced it. You can face it, too. Okay, so the show number eight. Can you believe that? Oh, it's eight. unbelievable. <sighs> I'm just, you know, I'd like to thank so many people. I won't, but I'd like to. Yeah, people have been very good. They've been very encouraging. Thank you so much. They've uh, they continue to put up with us, and we will continue to be uh, be the us that you put up with, or with which you put up, or some way that would be uh, appropriate grammatically. Damn, I hate grammar. <laughs> <laughs> you do not. <laughs> no, I, lo- I I like to know it, but in in the arts, it's like it almost has no application. So you can say anything. I mean, you ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, you can say anything in, in art. You know? That's true. That's true. Fair enough. I mean, you haven't seen anything yet. Just doesn't ring as true. Although you're probably one of those snobs who doesn't like Bachman Turner Overdrive, but you know, I probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have that fucking right. I probably BTO. don't. BTO, BTO for life. <laughs> oh, God. You're loyal to every fucking person <laughs> ever, and I, there's so many of them that I'm like, I don't think so. And BTO is certainly one of those. I got their first four. They kick ass, and their greatest hits. They're awesome. Excellent. Randy Bachman, baby. I'm so happy for you. All right, so I did the introduction, uh, and I didn't mention the underdress thing because you specifically asked me not to. So i got to do the uh, section. All right, and now for a little bird banter. And what are we going to chew the fat about today? We're talking about a subject that seems to come up all the time, especially in my life, tribute bands. And we're wondering, where do you stand on that? Because... uh, there are objections. There are people who do not appreciate the whole tribute band thing. First question, do they hurt or help local artists? And I've heard this complaint from some bands who produce original music saying that the tributes, uh, I don't know, they take away from them in some way. I would personally disagree with that. I would love to go see the original band, the original music band, anytime. But... Uh, you know, I mean, occasional tribute is just not to be missed. I love that. And uh, I would always go to see the band, the original band, if they weren't in freaking San Francisco or something like that. I can't help it if the indie bands come near where I can see them. There isn't a choice to make there. It's either that or nothing. Uh, so I love and support the original bands and buy their works and stuff like that. But as we will discuss later. But um, I don't think it hurts uh, local artists as an original artist. What do you think? Well, I wish it didn't, but in my opinion, it does because um, most of the time, you know, let's say that we didn't have bands that were acting like, you know, well, tribute bands that were acting like the real band and singing other people's music and everything, then there would be more space for the indie artists because they still need music. 
So I think, you know, they do. It's kind of like that whole horrible thing. You know, they do take jobs away from indie indie bands. The thing, though, that is different is we as indie bands don't typically make money, whereas tribute bands or even cover bands make tons of money. Um, So I think in that way, if there was less option for them to have something like that, then I think they would choose to have uh, original music. But again, if there's an option, they're betting on the fact that the tribute band is going to pack the bar um, or the whatever the venue is, whereas the original artist might not. So if you think about it that way, I mean, while we're very different, it's still music. And if they want to have music, they have to select either original or tribute. And if there were no tribute, then there would be more room for original. So maybe unpopular, but that's really what I think. Well, from a venue standpoint, of course, they're going to veer towards the ones that they know are going to pack them in. And the tributes do that. I mean, Queen Nation plays so... In fact, they're getting an award, which I disagree with strongly, uh, because they, it's not their music. They don't deserve an award. Uh, uh, some Hall of Fame or something like that. As a tribute band, they do not belong there. But uh, they do a great job of Queen, and so that's the next question, in fact. Do they help or hurt the actual artists? Um, and the question about whether the artists, if they're still out there making music and there's a tribute running simultaneously is that bad for the artist in any way my personal feeling on it is it isn't um again it's a question of geography uh if you can go downtown to see a tribute band for 15 20 dollars or pay 300 dollars and go a couple hundred miles to see two members of the original queen uh i don't know i don't, I don't think and, and they have no problem selling tickets uh, whether the tributes are out there or not and i think the tributes promote record sales of the artists i know i've been prompted to buy a lot of records uh, because of seeing tribute bands uh like the runaways i saw a band down in las vegas that did uh, I mean, these girls couldn't have been around back then. The Queen's Riot, fantastic group. Couldn't have been around when the Runaways came out. They just learned about them later. And they uh, played seven songs. I mean, that was incredible. That has prompted me to buy five Runaways albums in the interim. So I think they do help the artists by pr- keeping their music alive and their legacy and to keep them viable uh, you know, commercially. I think it's good for them, actually. I don't think it hurts them. They shouldn't be able to sell the recordings of them. But if their performance and they, and, you know, not compensating the artists, I think in the long run is good for them. And there are some objections. Uh, John Bon Jovi sued uh, a, ba- a female band uh, that was playing his music, whereas uh, others openly promote them, like Angus Young of ACDC. So I don't know. It could go either way. It was frustrating to try to find some legality about it. There's nothing out there that officially rules on it. I mean, you can sue, I guess, but maybe you can't, and, and it, it doesn't go anywhere. So it's like legal or not. It's uh, There was a, no real concrete answer. I, I would have appreciated it. But um, some sue to stop it, some openly promote it and encourage it. Uh, so I would think the artists, it would ultimately be good for them as far as sales. So anyway, that's what I think. What do you think, Christina? Yeah, I, I uh, again, I'm going to have to disagree with you. If the band is still playing, um, I it doesn't make any sense to me. And I have seen Queen with Adam Lambert, and yeah, it's worth the fucking drive and worth the money. And I would pay to see that at a million times over seeing a tribute band doing it. It was incredible. It was life-changing. It was so memorable, absolutely. And I, I just, I think if the band's still touring, and they are, 
and two of the original members. To me, Brian May, pretty fucking big deal. So if he's not enough alone for you to drive a few hundred miles and pay a few hundred dollars, that's concerning. But it is for me. I would absolutely fucking do it. I would do it again. And I do think it hurts the artist because it is a cheap version. And I'm not saying the tribute bands are cheap, but if they're still out there, it's a cheap version of a real band that is still touring, still trying to make money, still playing their original music, and you're out there pretending to be them, playing their music, and making a bunch of money. I think that's bullshit. I just do. I do have a little bit of a problem with the, you know, if it's really going someplace, like Queen Nations, if you're selling at shows all over the place, you should be paying the artist. If you're barely eking by a living, you know, it's no big deal, I don't think, uh, because I think they benefit in the long run but when you're really just rolling in it i mean they can't book shows fast enough and it's not one lick of their own music (laughs) that's pretty you know that that is kind of sticks in the craw there and we're not talking about you know people who've been dead for a hundred years we're talking about artists that are actually working even right so i can i can understand the objection to that i really can but brian may as you know is my goat he's a demigoat Number three, he's uh, he's the man. I do agree he's worth seeing. I saw him uh, the jazz tour 40 years ago, and uh, that was just beyond belief, you know. So I know he's worth it, but if you can't do it, I don't know. But I just I just think, look, until they're dead, just leave them the fuck alone. You don't need to pay tribute to somebody who's still the fuck alive and still making music and still touring. And if you are, then you owe them money. And I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of people out there making new music and we can't get into venues and we can't get people to listen to us because we have a bunch of people playing music for of bands that are still alive and touring. So, like, we're kind of just, you know, monumentally fucked. And it is kind of strange if you think about it. If the jukebox plays a song or the radio plays a song in a venue, you get paid from, like, ASCAP and BMI or whatever. But tribute bands really totally skate (laughs) so i don't hate i just want to make sure i don't hate tribute bands but if we're talking about this i'm going to be honest and i just i think as a as an original artist and you're one as well professor i mean we can't get people to listen to new music that may be just as good or may rival that music if anyone would bother to listen to it but we're you know everyone's kind of stuck listening to their favorite genre you know 70s music 80s music 90s music whatever grunge and there's not a lot going on as far as new music. And so I just figure, you know, if you have a goat that's out there still playing, go go see the fucking goat. Or I'm just going to listen to you on my vinyl. I'm not going to go watch somebody else pretend to be you while you're still out there playing, trying to earn money. Clearly, they're ch- still trying to earn money. <laughs> so it's not like they're like, oh, well, I'm at home. They might as well. They're trying to earn money from their music and performing tirelessly. So I just, I don't know, it feels like a disservice. So support your local goat, basically. Yes. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. But I, I, you know, the reason that I think this is a good topic because you always you always make uh, fun of Spotify. So to me, people that are doing tribute bands are similar because they're not really getting paid. I at least get sometimes I'll get like a fourteen dollar check at the end of a year because somebody listened to us on Spotify. Now it's not a lot of money, but I'm still getting something. They're actually getting net nothing from these tribute bands. <laughs> Not to spoil the fun or anything, but when I joke about Spotify, 
<laughs> it's not the actual service that I object to. It's the mentality of the, you know, I don't have to buy records anymore. It's all about supporting the artist. Oh, I don't have to buy records. I can listen to everything for free. I mean, I use Spotify myself to listen to, you know, band, like bands with like 25 albums. I'm buying two of them, but I want to hear the rest because I'm going to see them live or some, you know, do something like that supportive. Yeah, I listen to Spotify. Um, but, you know, and it prompts me to buy records, actually, uh, rather than not having it. So I, I have no objection to Spotify itself. It's to the mentality. It's to the snot nose, basically. Oh, my God. <laughs> the snot nose. It's like, I don't have to buy records. I just have to free us, but... So is it the same like, thing? I don't have to pay a lot of money to see the real band because I'll just go see the cheap tribute band for five bucks down the street. Same thing. <laughs> same fucking thing. Queen Nation uh, or go see fucking Queen in fucking Las Vegas. You're like, no, I'll just see the Queen Nation here. Okay, well, shit. Same fucking thing. I was just listening to Spotify. I'm going to go cheap and close. You know, I have no real com- to this band, or I right. go to the, you know, the Coliseum That's exactly. 400 miles away. That's what I'm fucking saying. I'm just saying it's the same motherfucking right. thing. All right. Now, here we go again with that agree to disagree, hearts and flowers, free to be you. <laughs> <laughs> We're too damn agreeable. We, we really are. That. I know. It's exactly. No it's no fun. Okay. It is no fun. All right. Well, there's a last Here's- question that you have to ask, and it's how much would you pay to see a tribute band? Oh, yeah. Well, a tribute... I would pay like 45 bucks under the right settings. Like I was once going to fork that over to go to a Doors tribute because it was going to be at the Whiskey. I mean, I've seen two different Doors tribute bands twice. That's four times live Doors. That's how big it, how much I love the Doors. Um, and these bands are both great. But this other group was yet yeah, another Doors uh, tribute band. I would pay to see them at, them at the Whiskey like 45 bucks just because of the you know everything about it. But uh, usually you only pay 20 bucks to be, see a tribute band at most. Yeah, I'm like a, I'm like a five dollar person for tribute bands, maybe ten. I'm pretty cool right Damn. there. Yeah, I'm pretty Woo. cool right about you are there. Cheap, you're a real cheap date with that uh, tribute band thing. Right. I have seen tribute bands of uh, of so many. I've seen Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Queen, Doors, Pink Floyd, Beatles, Rolling Stones, Metallica, ACDC, and Guns N' Roses uh, tribute bands, and they're all really, really good. It was a really good time, and I, you know, it's kind of thing gets me to buy records. That's how sentimental I am. I buy records if I uh, really, if I have a great live experience like that. Not sentimental that's- enough to go to Vegas and see Queen, but that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> like I said, it's all about lack of commitment. All right, now... Finally, it's your turn after forcing me to do two segments like this and not <laughs> and not to say I'm under duress or anything. I can't even I can't even get that off my chest. <laughs> you better cut that. Um, that better be fucking cut out of the show. Now you get to introduce a uh, no, not a segment exactly, but a restatement of the. Th- oh, yeah, I'm gonna leave that to you. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you get, now you get to do a bit. You get to finally talk, and I can stop talking. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <clears throat> so now we restate our top 10 theme for this week, and it is Free Bird Pop. New York, London, Paris, Munich, everybody talk, talk about, about pop music. music. Talk about. Yes, and we were talking yeah, about pop talking rock. About today. <laughs> pop rock, pop yeah, soul. Before, before that. <laughs> Before that intrusion, you were talking about something. <laughs> I was trying. It didn't work. But 
everything pop, pop rock, pop soul. That's what we're doing this time. We're doing pop music. And you know what? We like pop here. If it, suck it, haters. Anyone out there who doesn't, I'm sorry. We we do, and we're we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed of that at all. No, suck we it. We say it loud and proud. Loud and proud. We like pop. Absolutely. And so do you, whether you know it or not. So do you. Uh, just question. You're not aware of it. You don't like what you think of as pop, but you must like some pop. Everybody likes pop music. So some of the modern examples of pop music are Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Adele, Miley Cyrus, Madonna, and Pink. Yes, David? I, everyone you just named there... That's the entirety of anybody I would want to listen to ever today. <laughs> you notice they all have one thing in common. They're female. No males out there sing. There's no singing going on. Well, there's not a lot of singing going on in pop music at all today, but uh, definitely no males. All we have are sniveling, whimpering curs and braying Jack and Jenny asses and the auto-tune wonders and we have the exhibitionists with the oh check out my pipes screaming soul gospel uh, torturous nothing song and what most of these quote unquote singers deliver are the mindless tunes of children playing hopscotch or skipping rope they are not song melodies in any way uh, any proper sense but uh, we aren't going to play that kind of stuff and uh, everybody you named there those are that's anybody I would listen to at all I actually have quite a few have or have had quite a few records by the artists you named some of them and they're all worthwhile in some way today and that's and everybody else kind of blows honestly well, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just the way I say it yeah. I disagree I like Ed Sheeran I like Bruno Mars I like Adam Levine I also like Justin Timberlake I like John Legend I like a lot of singers that are out there right now that are male I listed those because they are the ones that came to mind first when I was thinking of pop music um, but I do like a lot of the male singers that are out there uh, They there are only certain ones that I like I don't like all of them but those are some of the ones that I like I don't necessarily love all their music but they can actually sing and they can write a melody that is very uh, pop inspired and you know enjoyable Mm, I stand by my original they all blow statement. <laughs> Sorry, no guys, man. Nobody's out there. No pop guys out there anymore that I like. But well, you know, a lot been, of girls, though. You've been wrong except before. For, except for in the... Except for in the indie, yeah, me, no, I haven't. <laughs> Except for in the indie world, we've definitely got some fantastically talented and listenable men in the indie world, and we're going to perhaps bring you some. Let us see what the top ten consists of, or of which the top ten consists. Fucking grammar, sorry. All right, and here it is, song number ten. And by now, this name is starting to sound very familiar. Uh, Ulysses from Greece, from Thessalonica. This artist is so eclectic; he's landed on our top ten three times now. And I, we swear, he's he's not like a relative of ours. Right? <laughs> I mean, we don't. <laughs> nothing is going on there. It's just he's that eclectic, and he keeps submitting. And what are you? What are you guys doing? You know the shit. So these guys, he submits uh, songs, and he gets played. But we uh, we need uh, we need some patience, folks. Uh, but uh, thank you all. We got uh, we got enough for the show, and uh, let's get rolling on that. Here we are at song ten with once again Ulysses, and in fact, this is the first song that was ever played by him on Fusion Music Radio. It was uh, Audrey played him on a European themed mixtape show. Follow Ulysses on Facebook and any links there too. And this beautiful song is called Child. Just get up. 
So our first feature is Cinema Calling, and for this feature we share how music enhances or... Let me see your fucking ass! Oh, I'm sorry. I was momentarily possessed by the spirit of Ozzy. Carry on. You better tell Ozzy to get the fuck out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) He has no place in this conversation. All right. (laughs) I'm going to try that again and see what happens. All right, and for our first feature, we have Cinema Calling. And for this feature, we share how music enhances or detracts from movies. And this week, we are talking about Almost Famous. Now, this was released in 2000, set in 1973. And we had Kate Hudson, Billy Kudrup, uh, Patrick Fugit, or Fugit, I don't know, Jason Lee, Francis McDormand, Zoe Deschanel, Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm, miss him, and Jimmy Fallon made an appearance in that movie. Directed by Cameron Crowe. Yes, this is our second Cameron Crowe. Apparently... He is very, very good at setting movies to music. The synopsis is a coming-of-age story of a 15-year-old music fan inspired by the bands of the time. He receives an assignment from Rolling Stone magazine that takes him on an unforgettable journey, and it won a Grammy for Best Compilation Soundtrack for Visual Media in 2001. Uh, It also won a couple additional awards that I cannot remember. My apologies, but I will probably remember them shortly. And the soundtrack just kicks all kinds of applicable ass and some ass that isn't even applicable. America by Simon uh, America by Simon and Garfunkel Sparks by The Who It wouldn't have made any difference Todd Rundgren I've seen all good people <laughs> Yes um, Phil Flows The Beach Boys Fever Dog by Stillwater And Stillwater is the band in the movie That we are following So it's really really fun to kind of walk through what Stillwater walked through. Um, Every Picture Tells a Story by Rod Stewart, Mr. Farmer by The Seeds, One Way Out by the Allman Brothers Band, Simple Man, Leonard Skinner, That's the Way, Led Zeppelin, Tiny Dancer, Elton John, Lucky Trumbull, Nancy Wilson, uh, The Wind, Cat Stevens, Waiting for the Man, David Bowie, Slip Away, Clarence Carter, and Something in the Air by Thunderclap Newman. David, I know you just watched this movie. I know you did. Where are you? I This movie blew my mind. Well, that Thunderclap Newman thing, by the way, that song um, is performed in the movie by the actors playing the band Stillwater, who are kind of the focus of the whole thing, as you said. And it was recently covered by Cherie Curry and Brie Darling on the album The Motivator. Hell yeah, for Cherie and Brie, uh, whom I saw at the Whiskey uh, before all this craziness, before we, when we actually went out and had fun. And I was going to mention last time uh, some of the other movies that Cameron Crowe had done, and this would have been on the list, as well as Jerry Maguire, if I'm not I'm mistaken, of course, in which case, disregard. And uh, <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High, unless I'm mistaken, in which case, disregard. But it's uh, all the ones I've seen have been so immensely satisfying. The cast is, is simply brilliant on this, including a great turn by Philip Seymour Hoffman as the despised rock critic and, and by me too, <laughs> Lester Bangs see this takes place in 1973 this movie, the events of this film I'm about the same age within a couple of years of this kid so uh, I mean I, I was basically there and these, these songs were the soundtrack of my life but they are applied here with surgical precision almost the way the soundtrack is used here you'll even have a 20 cent clip of a song employed so beautifully uh, for a brief scene and then bang they, they change moods up on you there's a lot of Led Zeppelin a lot of acoustic Led Zeppelin on the soundtrack and it is used just brilliantly at exactly the right times 
the, the right songs. Oh, the, the the way it enhances the mood of every single scene, even the the most fleeting scenes, is just so brilliant. The uh, the soundtrack is absolutely impeccable on this, and so is the cast. They're brilliant. The whole thing. It's so well written. My goodness, it was so incredibly entertaining. Once again, the uh, the grumpy old guy recommends the film. And the young, cool, hip rock singer chick, too, so you can't go wrong, right? (laughs) Well, I am trying to introduce you to some of these really cool movies that I had the good fortune of watching. Um, I've been watching this movie for years, been a fan since it came out, and I cannot tell enough people to watch this movie. It is a great music movie from top to bottom. So absolutely, not only is is the acting impeccable, but again, like you said, perfectly set to music and that's what I look for in a great film and a great soundtrack and I remember so well reading the same magazines as this kid Cream and Circus this was this was such an incredible time and even back then I absolutely detested Lester freaking bangs uh, his uh, his writing was so hilariously hateful and acidic and uh, we just didn't like him or I didn't at least but uh, after watching the movie, you know, if he's anything like that, maybe he's not such a total douche after all. I don't know. But uh, maybe I just like Sil- Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> My disdain for Lester Banks. And besides, I have to face certain facts in life, and among them is that I, I grew up to be Lester Banks, basically. I'm that annoying asshole. <laughs> so, you know, I can't complain. See, this a lot of this music is what was called pop music back then, or rock, pop rock, the kind of things you hear when you go out. Can you imagine? Imagine what you'd be hearing today. Today it would be terrifying. I mean, it's it's. I really I shudder to think going and hearing Post Malone or something or something like that. That's what you'd be hearing out at some venues and some types of places you might go at night. And uh, thankfully, we don't. We don't hang in such things. But uh, there are places where there would be no escaping the horror. And hopefully, you would have your Shazam app with you. And I always do. Because whenever I hear something that absolutely astounds me with its transcendent awfulness, I can press a button, and within a few seconds, I know exactly which Drake song it is. We had the good music back when uh, when dinosaurs like me roamed the earth. This was the stuff we were growing up with. So, uh, this movie really resonated with me in a lot of different ways. I loved every second of it. It was extremely re- well written, and uh, like I said, I was there and I lived this in a way. Except for the whole rock star thing, <laughs> I didn't actually travel with rock stars. I played in my basement i played crappy kiss covers and alice cooper covers in my basement but didn't everybody <laughs> same thing didn't we and all no chicks or anything yeah and no <laughs> chicks or anything so it was kind of the same thing basically it's really close <laughs> to the movie <laughs> hey he had he had well i guess lester didn't have chicks but the uh the 15 year old got chicks i'll tell you that <laughs> he got chicks the kid, the kid got chicks on this adventure that's, that's right, right. All right, so uh, two thumbs up, two enthusiastic thumbs up for Almost Famous. If you haven't seen it, go see it, get the soundtrack, enjoy the fuck out of it. We did. And now for song number nine, Tracy Island is the band. The song is Work It Out. They are from the UK and they are pop rock. Now this song, this is a bouncy rockin' tune that is catchy as fuck. It's a nice balance of guitars and keyboards with just the right amount of synth. The vocals aren't indulgent or overdone. They are perfect and they complement the slightly 80s throwback with kind of a Franz Ferdinand twist. This is Work It Out. It's easy to 
was Tracy Island with Work It Out, and you can find them on Facebook at Tracy Island Official. And song number eight is Someone Near and Dear. Someone, if you listen to Butterflies and Hurricanes, you have heard copiously, because this is a lady who cranks out singles every couple of months, and we always play them, and I always buy them, you know, because sacrifices have to be made when you have committed yourself to support indie artists and everything, and yeah, hey, I figure, you know, fact, sacrifices in the food budget... If it's good enough for our beloved pets, it's good enough for me. So uh, I will be continue supporting indie artists, no matter what it costs. And uh, the next artist is certainly one who uh, takes up a lot of space in my iTunes library, because Linda Gambino, or Linda a.k.a. Sand, a name she records under and the name she's using for the song we're playing tonight, uh, releases songs all the time and has a lot of music. Uh, Linda Gambino has a, one of my favorite indie pop albums, Momentum, Masterpiece, and Linda a.k.a. Sand. Uh, Linda, under that name, has released numerous singles, five singles. She's constantly performing with rock, blues, soul bands, and funk bands. And uh, she sings everything. She does everything. She's a brilliant songwriter. Uh, the vocal... 
you could only describe as kind of kind of like smoky, kind of like if Lauren Bacall had a band, she'd sound something like Blinda. Uh, it's a it's a voice you do not forget instantly, that's for sure. For all of her prowess in singing and all those different genres, this is straight pop, and she does it the way. This is why we're proud to say we're pop lovers because of songs like this. Linda, aka Sand, with "Keep Me Here." history strikes back the randomly selected 
year by the infallible random year selector was 1967 and I was around then I was actually six years old not that I remember most of this but a little bit it was an impressive year for music we had the Doors debut we were just talking about the Doors Fantab- continues to have huge impact among people with uh, like taste for example the Monkees uh, more of the Monkees they were becoming huge Rolling Stones between the buttons Roy Orbison uh, was continuing to uh, 1967, he was already a legend, and he continued to work into the Traveling Wilburys. What a fantastic project the Traveling Wilburys was. Jimi Hendrix Experience. Uh, are you experienced? That alone captures a lot of what it is to be 1967, I think. I was rather young. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Hello, this is Summer of Love material here. Mothers of Invention, well, Zappa blows, so that doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, let me see. <laughs> hey, our audience disagreed with that. They think he's amazing. I know. I just thought I'd get that in, a little hit-and-run thing. <laughs> but uh, good way to capture the, just the flavor of the whole Summer of Love thing. You know, the 60s. The, this is the ultimate mid-60s year, probably, in a way, was in looking at the hit singles of the year. All it takes is to think of Sonny and Cher, the beat goes on, and you are 1967, which is an immediate transformation. Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever, uh, the same year. Spencer Davis Group, Gimme Some Lovin'. Who does not love that song? Herman's Hermits. I mean, I don't remember the hippy-dippy thing terribly clearly, but I remember the music. Uh, I was already a huge fan. This would make great soundtrack music. All of the songs from 1967 were fantastic. But thanks to the wonders of our technology, you can experience 1967 in its fullest. I'm sure there's a playlist on Speedy of 1967, and uh, that way you can uh, basically take yourself back. Yeah, 1967. I love these years it comes up with. So far, they've all been quite interesting. I was waiting for the darkness to come, but so far they've been fantastic. I like the wrap-up. That was a good little wrap-up. That was nice. I liked it. So far they've been fantastic. It felt horrendously incoherent, but okay, that was just me. (laughs) Well, I always say the playback is the true measure, and I, I hate listening to how I sound on the playback. I'm like, oh my god, I sound like an idiot. But anyway... All right, song number seven is a longtime friend of ours, an interview guest on Butterflies and Hurricanes. Lewis interviewed her, and someone we've played many, many times. She's a favorite of ours. She's uh, from Romania, and she was a lawyer in Romania, not like in law school. She was a working lawyer who basically just wanted to play music, and she's had a couple of incredible bands, and she's always touring and performing live, and she's a powerful vocalist and an amazing pop songwriter, although she gets edgy, too. She plays blues. She plays rock. She uh, travels with a lean four-piece band. Bass, drums, guitar, that's it. And her. Not the uh, the flashy band she used to have with the keyboards and the backup vocals. This is raw. She's doing her brilliant pop music with a gritty edge, which is a really beautiful thing to see. But this is pure pop brilliance right here. This song, I always joke that this song is ten minutes long because I can't just listen to it once. I listen to it three times, so it takes up ten minutes. So this song is just irresistible in every detail. But this is one of the rare ones that she did not write but this is the one that made me a huge fan i heard this song first and i just thought wow this is absolutely astounding and okay so this gentleman named richard orange wrote two of her hits for her but uh she and herself is a brilliant songwriter but this is the first thing i heard and it made me a huge fan because the vocal is really what sells it and this is yet another example of 
to get the most out of your song, somebody else has to sing it. Like the whole Meatloaf Jim Steinman thing. If you've ever heard Jim Steinman solo album, you know what I mean. This song is an earworm if ever there was one. And uh, this is going to make an instant fan of you. Rua, R-U-A, stands for the Royal Unknown Artist. And it's a lame joke, and I love to repeat lame jokes. So as I always say, if there was any justice, if there were any justice, there goes that damn grammar again, if there were any justice... Uh, it would be royal household name artist because she's uh, definitely worth being known far and wide and she's doing quite well for herself uh, sponsors she tours um, and this is the quintessential pop song it really doesn't get better than this the fantastic girls go shopping
artist. You can follow her on Facebook. Uh, she's really up on that. RoyalUnknownArtist.com website, and you can get her music anywhere. And her album, Transcendent Love, is one of my all-time favorite. It's like Momentum. It's my other all-time pop fave. She and Linda are my absolute pop queens uh, presently. They're the perfect example of a pop artist, as it should be. Why we are unabashed fans here. All right, so you've got a segment. Yes, we are going to talk about Hawkward lyrics for our third feature. And for this feature, we weigh in on nonsensical, strange, crazy, or just bullshit song lyrics. And this week, we are talking about a song everybody knows called My Sharona by The Knack. Now, you know, I've sung along and just enjoyed and, you know, snapped my fingers to this song for years. And when I stopped and really took a look at the lyrics, I thought, well, this is some creepy ass shit. And when talking about this song, it is really, really creepy because it goes between catcalls and then obsession with younger girls. So <laughs> it's a really weird combination. So the first part is, oh, my little pretty one, my pretty one, when you're going to give me some time, Sharona? Ooh, you make my motor run, my motor run. Got it coming, oh, the line, Sharona. Now, again, I'm just going to say that's a fucking catcall. You're walking down the street past some construction site. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. And then there's another cat call line, which come a little closer, huh? Will ya, huh? Close enough to look in my eyes, Sharona. Keep it a mystery. It gets to me running down the length of my thigh, Sharona. Come on. That's another cat call. Creepy as fuck. Then we go to the lust of a young lady. Never gonna stop. Give it up. Such a dirty mind. I always get it up for the touch of the younger kind. Um... Yeah. Check, yeah. please. Someone asked for my check, and I'm going to go ahead and leave. That's creepy as fuck. The only excuse you can make in your mind is, yeah, the touch of the younger kind. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> With some songs, you can sort of make excuses and go, well, this was written while he was young. It was, I mean, it's like if it's two 16-year-olds, it's okay, man, or something like that. <laughs> but he's saying the younger kind, so he's obviously, uh, he's obviously too old. Uh, but uh, yeah, it uh, at least he leaves it open to younger kind being like eighteen or you know age of consent kind of thing. But there are songs where it's really, really not ambiguous at all. So <laughs> that are even creepier. But this is certainly uh, has not aged well. Sounds pretty stalkery. So yeah, it's a creepy ass song, but not as creepy as it is awkward. So just some awkward lyrics, just food for thought. Not that when it comes on, I'm not going to fucking rock out to it because I straight up am. This is a badass song. It's fun. It's exciting. It always gets me dancing and it always makes me sing along. But now when I sing along, I may just leave out the touch of a younger kind. I might just stop there and just let him (laughs) say it, you know, and just, ooh, I can't really go there. But a really fucking good song with awkward ass lyrics. I say good music will eclipse bad lyrics because lord knows some of the best songs some of the real classics have lyrics that are are real cringers like this one (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly and more awkward lyrics to come in future shows but that's just one of them and you may not have thought well my sharon is a weird ass song but it is well let's just say it rocks and that's all we ask of it and it has a really clever instrumental break too that proves the band is capable of much more so hell yeah man i'm glad this one came up even it's, though it's, it's a little offbeat, it's awkward, but it still kicks ass. Absolutely. So now to song number six, 
And actually, this one is one that is close to my heart, David. I don't have a lot of my friends on the show, um, but this is a brilliant pop artist. Um, He's my friend of mine. His name is Lee, and the band is My Two Eyes. And I met him a few months ago, and we hit it off right away. Just one of the most lovely men I've ever met. So sweet, so kind, so generous. Um, And actually, it's a very interesting story, because before I ever met Lee years ago, I was living in Arizona, and there was a band called Gone Avery. And I loved this band. It's an indie band. And they were, you know, they played in Arizona, and I had their CD. It was like a friend of a friend of a friend gave it to me and introduced me, and I was in. Come to find out, he actually was Gone Avery. So it was really cool to know that somebody whose music I liked back then is now doing music that I also enjoy, and I actually got to meet him. And it was kind of this, (laughs) I already knew him, and we were like chill, and we were friends. And then he, he revealed that he was in this band called Gone Avery, and I got a little like fangirl on him I was like oh my god because <laughs> I loved Gone Avery so um, and I think he was taken aback by it but really appreciated it and I just told him how great his music was then and how great it is now and uh, the song that I found that I really really liked and I, I said hey can I play your song and he's so gracious and so kind and a wealth of knowledge on all things indie because he's been through the music scene because Gone Avery went really really big um, and so he's still playing you know all over the place and uh, very successful but he has a lot of great lessons about the music business and about being an indie artist so enough about Lee even though he's fantastic he's from here in Orange County he is pop rock and this song starts with a simple chugging and a vocal that screams of boyish innocence the entrance of harmonies elevates the song just before all other instruments kick in and raise it to pop perfection this tune would stand up to any pop prince or princess in the current pop scene watch out Bieber Lee and my two eyes are coming for you this is Hideaway I hear the tick tock ticking of that tick tock clock and it puts my thoughts into despair my heart beats fast and it just won't stop don't know how I'll get through this I can't take this losing game it always ends the same I'm a fool, didn't think this through I've got to get away Cause all I need is a chance to be free I don't know who I am There ain't no time like this one we have I've got to get it back I can't let go, I can't get it through I see it now that I'm losing you Hideaway, where I disappear I will accept that you're never here I hold so tight, I try to get things right Cause I see our light is fading fast I close my eyes, keep the pain inside I can see that there's nothing left I don't know where things went wrong I gave it all I had I can't look back, can't change the past Ready for something new Cause all I need is a chance to be free I don't know who I am There ain't no time like this one we have I've got 
I hear the tick-tock ticking of that tick-tock clock And my heart beats fast, I can't get through this I can't let go, I can't get through I see it now that I'm losing you This hideaway where I disappear I will accept Song number five is a band that I just discovered called The Native. They have a brand new song out called Time, and they are pop rock alternative. And I will tell you, this is a very young band, and they are just going to continue to do great things. A bunch of guys, very young, I think five gentlemen, and they have a really nice, fresh sound, and it is so pop, and it is so absolutely captivating. So this particular song, Time, it builds from strumming campfire guitar into a chorus that inspires fist pumping and lighter waving. There is a great bridge that affords us the opportunity to contemplate the stranglehold time has on each of us. It ends as starkly as it began and leaves you unable to do anything other than press repeat. This is The Native. Consider yourself warned. (laughs) Playing to an empty room Empty faces looking back at you All the light from lit up screens A crowd of modern day machines Cut the air with a knife Break the silence with incessant light Space to run the room, take a breath, it's all still brand new. Time is only time, take it at your place. Rushing into twines. Talk of questioning All I hear is miles figure seconds Everybody wants something People want what nobody's offering Cut the air with a knife Silence with inquiring eyes Find a space to run the room Take a breath, it's all still
That was The Native with Time. You can find them at wearethenative.com. All right, brings us to feature number four, The Partridge Effect. You remember this, don't you? For this feature, we look at family bands, brothers, sisters, dads, moms, etc. And this time, legendary pop act. Nobody would question they deserve to be labeled pop. They're the best of the best, and everybody won't admit it, but everybody loves The Carpenters, Richard and Karen Carpenter, uh, brother and sister duo from New Haven, Connecticut, moved to Downey, California, recorded from 1969 to 1983, and probably the thing they're most known for is Karen's uh, butterscotch melting in your ears contralto vocals. Uh, she's uh, That is the signature sound of the Carpenters, mm-hmm. but... There is simply no dismissing Richard. He is an extraordinary musician. In fact, they both are. They started out as a jazz group called the Richard Carpenter Trio with Karen on drums. And you can see an exa- you can see examples of Karen's musical prowess on that instrument. She considers herself a drummer who sings, so she considered herself that. Uh, she did not want to stop playing drums. And somebody has put together a compilation called Karen Carpenter, Kick-Ass Drummer. Just <laughs> search that on YouTube. And you will come up with a uh, montage of video clips showing that she was just that. And Richard is quite brilliant, too. She was not singing back then. She was just a drummer. So she's a, a world-class musician as well as one of the most unforgettable vocalists of all time. And they became the Carpenters, signed to A&M Records in 1969. They've had so many TV specials uh, growing up in the day in the golden age of television. As I did, I saw lots of them. Uh, They had a show called Make Your Own Kind of Music. They had specials on PBS uh, really displaying their musical uh, virtuosity. Uh, Both two extraordinary artists, and uh, Richard is quite a songwriter as well. Speaking of songs, they released 10 albums, three number one and three number two singles on the Billboard Hot 100, 15 number one hits in the Dell Contemporary. Uh, 12 top 10 singles. They were, well, they were hugely successful. Since we have only a few minutes, let's look at some of the albums and the top singles. They came out in 1969 with Offering slash Ticket to Ride as the album, but they really broke out in 1970. Close to You was a hit album and contained unforgettable songs like For All We Know. You know Karen Carpenter's voice is ringing through your head like a bell. Just mm-hmm. hearing these, uh, so just hearing these titles. For all we know, rainy days and Mondays, and superstar. Long ago, oh, the way her she just melts into the song, just an incomparable vocalist, as anybody would attest. And a lot of Paul Williams compositions uh, in the Carpenters catalog, and rightly so, because they do wonderful work together. Title song, Close to You, one of Karen's signature songs vocally, just a masterpiece. We've only just begun. Uh, Paul Williams was involved in that. Just the quintessential New Life Together song that is still a sentimental favorite at weddings all over the world. 71 album Carpenters, For All We Know. Rainy Days and Mondays. Moving up to 72, Song for You, Bless the Beast and the Children. I mean, she could sell anything. Any song is magic with Karen on it. Hurting each other, it's going to take some time this time. It's. You, I think when you hear them, you definitely start to you, you tune out my voice and you think of Karen and all of the magic that she does uh, Goodbye to Love oh, that song just kills me I have a lot of uh, Carpenters to this day Goodbye to Love uh, Top of the World uh, Richard I think Richard composed that uh, Won't Last a Day Without You these songs are timeless in fact 
are the Carpenters legit? Well, they were, they were no question a pop group. They were accused of going hard rock with the, uh, and with the song Goodbye to Love, in fact, because it has a guitar solo. And there's like, wow, the Carpenters have sold out <laughs> and gone hard rock. That actually happened. Uh, they, Richard was on a special talking about that. But um, they live, they would get wild and woolly. They would play rock and roll medleys and Karen would tear up the drums live. So uh, they could rock and roll like anybody, but they are unquestionably a pop act. But are they regarded as legit by the cool people? Well, yes, they are. Because in 1994, a compilation album of alternative artists was released called If I Were a Carpenter. Yes, a tribute album containing acts like Shonen Knife, Sonic Youth, The Cranberries, Sheryl Crow, Johnette Napolitano, what's up? Uh, Four Non Blondes, they actually did Carpenter songs and uh, released them as a compilation. And I love when that happens. Well, it says here, damn Wikipedia ruined it for me. It says here, <laughs> Richard did not quote, does not care for the version of Superstar by Sonic Youth. Well, you ingrateful bastard. <laughs> no, see, that's the kind of thing I don't want to read. You know? But yes, they, they meant well. They attributed the band as they should because the Carpenters are just part of the landscape of the 70s music scene. There is no escaping them. Why would you want to? The Carpenters are indispensable. 1981, they released their last album, Made in America. However, a number of compilations, tributes, and, you know, post-mortem recordings have uh, emerged, but that was the last proper Carpenter's album. They personify why pop should not be a dirty word, and why it's not with us, why everybody loves pop, whether they know it or not, whether they care to admit it or not. You also love the Carpenters. You're a lying ass if you say you don't love the Carpenters. Everybody does, so uh, I'm glad they came up. This is, uh, we've had the Jackson 5 and the Carpenters, and these are two legendary musical families who are the very best of the Partridge effect in full effect. But what about you, Christina? Do you regard them as worthy of their pantheonic, iconic status? Are you fucking kidding? Of course. Karen Carpenter's voice <laughs> is like, I've never heard anything like it, and I never will again. And I have a love-hate relationship with them. Why? Because I love to listen to them, but almost every time her voice reduces me to tears. It is just so beautiful and so soothing. At the same time, it's so heartbreaking. And I just remember thinking, again, I know I mentioned this on the last show, and I'm not going to belabor the point, but as somebody who sings naturally in a very low register, I just, I listened to her and I thought, <laughs> not only do, am I okay now that I sing in a lower register i want to sing in a lower register so i could sound like her and no one ever could or ever will i have just never heard a voice like that and their music is is just uh, i don't even know it just it is kind of like if you if you were to set my life to music i feel like many of those songs would absolutely make perfect sense um everything from heartbreak to you know a positive outlook you know, every single thing just feels like it applies to my life in some way. And I'm sure everyone feels that way. But oh, my God, the Carpenters. Are you kidding me? They're so fucking amazing. And the only th problem I have with any like tribute compilations is, you know, there is no way, <laughs> no way. It doesn't matter how fucking amazing you are as a musician that you are ever going to touch in any way the arrangements and those vocals. So I just leave that shit alone. <laughs> I don't even go there. Would I love to cover the Carpenters? I would. But there's no way I could do them justice because her voice is just otherworldly. So I'm sad we lost her so young. I know there would have been far more music 
that was brilliant from them, but at least we have music up through 1983 that is timeless and we can listen to forever. Yeah, and I don't think there's a woman alive who does, would not want to sing and have, like Karen Carpenter, have her voice for a day. I mean, because it is just, I mean, who wouldn't? It's uh, its perfection. Well, there's a great PBS special out there, if you happen across it, with uh, Richard on it. And uh, Petula Clark, I think it was, is recounting the first time she saw the Carpenters play, and she said, there was this girl behind the drums who sang like an angel. And just the impact it had, and I think it had on all of us, uh, whoever heard Karen sing for the first time, and every time after that. Uh, that's just like that's the voice right there and um, there is there is no replacing the Carpenters and yeah of course and yeah she was indeed a kick-ass drummer too and uh, just one of the greatest vocalists we've ever had and uh, uh, like a, sort of a standard in, uh, in and of herself it doesn't take a bunch of hip young people doing a tribute album to validate them because they are world-renowned as and understood universally as goats in the pop music world, and rightly so. So song number four is actually another repeat artist. So I kind of fell in love with Britney fans. She was on our countdown a couple of shows ago, and I could not help but return to her catalog when I thought of pop. And I found this beautiful song called Push Pull. And if you recall, she's from Nashville, Tennessee, and she considers herself electro soul pop. So let me tell you about this song, Push Pull. The opening. There are soulful hums that are pleasantly reminiscent of Fiona Apple, and they entice you to listen on. The bluesy shuffle makes the listener sway and yearn for a cold glass of New Orleans lemonade. The syncopated vocals at the halfway mark are a modern urgent and swampy rap that informs you that you must believe in yourself despite the push and pull to do the opposite. This is Brittany Fance with Push Pull. The greatest And there will all be 
always be nice how you're saying Don't have what it takes it to make it You know that you'll show them So show up and prove that you are what you're saying Believe it and own it and make it your moment We shall hold this was Brittany Fance and her website is Brittany B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y Fance P-H-A-N-T-Z definitely check her out you will not be sorry now you see how much great pop music we've dug up for you it is out there a lot of it's in the indie world some of it as we mentioned on the radio but a lot of times sadly lamentably on the radio what you get is that sound that fucking sound that i can't stand that uh, that phony plastic beat machine i think that's what it's actually called you know with that tick 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 slap tick 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 slap and the only thing you can do with that is modify the how many ticks oh god that sound and the uh, it's like a hand clap and a bitch slap kind of rolled into one and you can turn up the tempo faster and everything but it is at the end of the day it's the same beat sound on every single song there's no need for that fake ass tick 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 slap sound think about some of the songs of old and the beats that they had they put together probably computerized under like uh the like cypress hills legendary insane in the brain that is now that's a beat you don't hear anything like that today or tone loke at least had the good sense to borrow uh, if you will sample the bass drums and guitar from van halen's jamie's crying for his hit song wild thing but we know there's great pop music out in the world and rock music and every kind of music but the question is according to the listeners because that's all that matters around here is what about this next band on the chopping block on this feature five? Hell yes or oh hell no. And for this feature, we consider bands and determine if we're advocates for them. Hell yes. Or detractors. Oh hell no. And we also ask for your opinions on the band or artist and share the results. And uh, most of the time I'm on that little, <laughs> most of the small, I'm in that tiny little herd of dissenters. And this time the band under consideration is Radiohead. And... To my incredulity, 99% of the respondents 
gave this band a thumbs up, and I have absolutely no idea why. Hell no, 0% of respondents. That's because I wasn't allowed to because I'm on the show. <laughs> and neutral was one. Years ago, I did sample quite a bit of Radiohead because some Facebook group I'm in posted this question, one of those incongruous questions. What's a better album, Led Zeppelin 2 or Radiohead in Rainbows? And um, that's like saying, what do you like better, steak or Twinkies? I mean, it's, there's, no, there's no comparison there. As it, those two things should not be up in the same sentence. But uh, it got me thinking that Radiohead was not one of those bands whose sounds wafted close enough to my tar pit for me to notice them. So I had to, <laughs> I completely missed that whole thing. And I went back to check them out. I listened to at least a dozen songs, and I thought they were just simply horrible. And I even made a meme that was sort of captured what Radiohead meant to me. <laughs> and in this meme, there's a spray can that says, Radiohead, side kills the will to live dead. And there's a picture of a girl before and after uh, using the Radiohead side. So I showed you this meme and you showed your husband and what was his response to that? Wow. <laughs> just that one word, wow. Just, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we aim to please, uh, of course. That's just the way it hit me. I thought this is the most soul-sucking, light-extinguishing music I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> and uh, But, however, since they came up for the show, I, of course, due diligence and uh, commitment to the audience, uh, went back and listened to a whole bunch of Radiohead songs again, and uh, I think I found them to be a little bit less, like dreary you know i mean as far as you know a little, little bit more on the rocking side but i still wouldn't listen to them unless i were paid a considerable amount of money to do so so it's still a hell no for me but zero percent on the poll because i didn't get to vote what about you yeah i think you're fucking insane but that's okay <laughs> this is one of the best bands that that has come out in in years and i am just a huge fangirl and it is a dream of both bruce and i to to open for them and to tour with them that's how much we love them we are absolutely in awe of their musical talent um and obviously uh, tom york has has amazing vocal range um and just their their music you never know what to expect from them you never know what they're going to do they don't really bow to any fads they just do what they do and they do it brilliantly um and you know it wasn't like people who responded were just like yeah no I like them people were like hell yeah are you kidding me of course I love Radiohead fuck yeah I love Radiohead and that's how I feel of course I love Radiohead Um, they're just the quintessential like kind of alt rock band that do whatever in the fuck they want to do and I could not love them more I am a hell yes all the way and I don't get the hell no but you know that's fine even people who said the person who said they were neutral is like, look, they're amazing. They're just not my thing. Um, so if you said that, I would at least have respect for you, but you didn't even say that. So that's cool. Well, uh, I think that underlies all of this. Uh, when I give my view on something like this, I'm talking about how, you know, what it does for me and my experience with it. Is I, I do recognize that there is, a, and, and I got to say that, in, in the case of Radiohead, that's a good example. I recognize that there is work involved in that music, that it isn't just pure dreck, like the stuff that's out there today with the phony plastic beat machine and the autotune vocals and the no melody. Like I said, absolutely no melody of any sort. At least I know something is there like you. But like you say about The Who, I have to give that same... It sounds like a cop-out, but it's not. I do acknowledge that there's work in Radiohead's music and that it has some kind of appeal, 
but it, I, I miss it completely. I don't know why I don't get any of that out of it. It just sounds, it's intolerable to me. Um, so I, whatever it is I'm missing, I'm sure I'm wrong, and all of you are right. So <laughs> free to be you and me. Uh, I'm no, I'm probably uh, missing something that's great there because a lot of people like this band. But for some reason, sadly, I missed it. So, but they. So, but it's just more fun to say they suck. You know, <laughs> it's not you, it's me, Radiohead. But seriously, uh, it doesn't work for me. But that's uh, fine. But life's too short. Put it that way. Life's too short for Radiohead. Yeah, and Radiohead <laughs> doesn't give a fuck if you like them or not. So they're cool. They're totally fine. And the Who doesn't give a fuck if I like them. They're fine. Yeah, they're I'm, good. And I'm glad for that. I do. I wouldn't want that to bother Radiohead. Yeah, no. I think they're like David doesn't like us. That's fine. Fuck them. I don't give a shit. However, what I said about The Who is very different than what you just said about Radiohead. You realize there's work that goes into it. That is not what I said. I said, I realize that The Who is great, and I understand why people love them. That is not what you said. You're just like, well, I guess that they actually play instruments and shit, so I guess that's worth something. That's totally different than what I said. So you just kind of shit on them twice. But that's fine. You're not into them at all. You realize that they... I said exactly that in a roundabout way. You did not. You did not even give them their props. You were like, I guess there's work involved in that music. Well, fuck. Yeah, there is. In the case of Radiohead, it's a subjective thing. I will grant that they're good at something it just isn't something that that works for me but in the case of a lot of music today i think it's objectively shitty and lazy radiohead to me is like sports i'm glad people like it it keeps them off the street it makes an honest living for someone and everything but it just is of no interest to me whatsoever sports and radiohead are kind of in the same category well fair enough i will still sleep (laughs) well at night and so will radiohead they will they're good they're good they'll be fine i mean they may have felt a little pang they were hopeful maybe that you would come around because you actually listened to more of their shit but then they're like oh now he's a lost cause fuck him cares so we're cool they had me for about 30 seconds and i thought hey that's not so oh yeah it's the same shit no but i I did give them a try i definitely did uh, quite a bit and um i I guess they moved up a couple of notches but they're still way 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 down there um however i instantly took to this next artist it's song number three dandelion and that's uh, spelled d-a-n-d-e-l-y-i-n and get it over to facebook and link to this impressive artist and dandelion comes from Connecticut, United States, and in addition to her beautiful music, she also makes jewelry uh, out of, get this, out of upcycled, recycled guitar and bass strings, and often featuring rather macabre imagery, so uh, it's quite appealing, you'll like this, uh, go over to Dandelion's Facebook page and you link to that, but do dig this next song, which is the title song from her 2018 EP, Gold Plated. Was growing up in an old money hedge, black Mercedes on your sixteenth birthday, rich. Everybody's daddy had their fingers dipped in gold. Everybody's mommy shoving down the Adderall. Makes me wonder where they're coming from. Makes me.
Wasn't That Beautiful? Gold Plated by Dan Bielan. Again, that's D-A-N-D-E-L-Y-I-N, and that's where you find her on Facebook. And uh, like I said, it's a link to everything, including her beautiful jewelry. So do go check out Dandelion because there's a really good find, and she submitted to us, and we thank you so much for that. And now for the pecking order, our final feature tonight. For this feature, we pit one similar artist to another and determine the pecking order. So this one was a tough one, David. I came up with a couple of bands and I was thinking, well, you know, no two bands are exactly alike, right? Um, And some may uh, turn up their nose at this pairing, but for me, these two are very comparable and it was a very hard decision for me. The Cure versus The Smiths. Um, So (laughs) both of these artists have really they are they really defined my childhood i mean i i i was singing cure songs i was introduced to the cure by my cousin leroy and i just fell in love with them uh, boys don't cry was the first song i ever heard and i thought oh my god i fucking love this band and the smiths the first song that i ever heard was meat is murder and i thought it was a great song very sad of course because you hear the crying cows in it because they're all vegetarian but still um or vegan probably i'm not sure if it's vegetarian or vegan um But the great thing is, you know, there's a lot of satire and a lot of snark in the Smiths music, which I absolutely fucking love. Um, This charming man (laughs) is so awesome. Girlfriend in a coma. The queen is dead. Um, You know, (laughs) girl afraid. Big mouth strikes again. I mean, come on. These are just essential Smiths tunes filled with snark and just biting humor and laughing at themselves, but also laughing at the world my favorite i guess my favorite song by the smiths is how soon is now which is not a snarky song it's actually a really beautiful song so then i go to the other side of the spectrum and i think of the cure and and the cure has a lot of very sweet songs like friday i'm in love just like heaven love song you know pictures of you close to me oh my god i can i just keep thinking i mean the album kiss me kiss me kiss me i played a million times um i just stood there in front of my record player just screaming the lyrics <laughs> and singing back to the record player along with Robert Smith. It just beautiful music, a lot of it very sweet, um, a lot of it also, you know, lots of really deep meaning. So they're, they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum for me, but at the same time, they seem very comparable. So when I think of which one I like more, this is tough, but I think just by just the tiniest fraction it's the cure for me so that is my my pecking order is the cure then the smiths what about you david well it's refreshing to see that you actually wrestled with something for a change you found the lennon mccartney thing to be quite easy it's easy for me i didn't have to agonize over this at all i just want to say uh, fuck you (laughs) Well, at least least you had a little bit of a struggle with this one. Well, to me, it was a tiny struggle. Well, first of all, I was not intimately aware of either one of these bands because, again, only a few of these were audible in my tar pit. And mostly it was The Cure, Friday I'm In Love, which is just a brilliant song. I mean, it may be like the first song everybody thinks of, and I'm sure there's a lot of deep cuts and, and everything. But uh, it's a, it's a, that alone validates them. It's a terrific song. If anybody comes up with something like that once, that's enough. But, but they have any number of amazing songs to their credit. Uh, Love Song. And Heaven Knows I'm Miserable yes. Now. I, I, at least I can see in this case, it's not Salmon and Twinkies. It, there's a... There's a 
similarity, at least, or an association with The Cure and The Smiths. And I missed these bands altogether, pretty much except for the couple Cure songs that made it. I don't think I knew The Smiths at all. I'd heard about Morrissey, but I didn't know what he did, but uh, or The Smiths. But The Cure, I did know a little bit, and um, what I knew I liked. But I largely missed them until I got into the indie scene and uh, saw other artists that were inspired by them, like Albert Bevia from Spain, terrific artist. And uh, I thought, wow, I like him. Why wouldn't I like them? And I started listening a little bit. But it wasn't until this time I listened to The Smiths, and you got me uh, to listen to both The Smiths and The Cure. And so what do I think? Well, I can listen to both of them uh, and be quite happy, and the vocalists too, which is, you know, that's the failing with a lot of music is the vocalists. And I like them both, but I like Morrissey's voice better, and I like The Smiths' music better. It, the Cure probably rocks a little bit more, and I really like them. But with me, it's not a terribly tough decision. I'm going with the Smiths because the vocals and the lyrics, these, as you said, the snark, the wry, you know, slap in the face lyrics, the I can't believe he said that lyrics. Uh, Big Mouth Strikes Again, you mentioned, is fantastic. How soon is now? Frankly, Mr. Shankly, song after song after song. It was like listening to Bob Dylan in a way. It's like the lyrics keep you spellbound exactly that way with the Smiths. Of those two, I would have to give a strong nod to the newfound in my life, the Smiths. They are brilliant. They really are, and it was a very tough choice. The Smiths, until I went back and listened to more music, the Smiths were number one for me, and then I went back and listened to The Cure again, and I thought, oh, God. So they just eke out a little bit, but these two bands are probably two of my favorite, especially from that time and this kind of music. Absolutely. So I would certainly love to know if anyone wants to share with us either on our website or send us an email to bothonair at gmail.com. Which one do you think is uh, more deserving of the first and then second pecking order? Be interesting to find out. If we hear from anyone, we'll let you know. But it looks like The Cure wins for me and The Smiths wins for David. There are no losers here. (laughs) Everybody wins. Participation trophy. I'm okay. You're okay. That's the way we do things here. But, oh, here's an interesting thing. There's a tribute band of The Cure called The Curse that plays around here a lot. I would invite you, but I wouldn't want to give you another agonizing moral dilemma. (laughs) Well, if it's five bucks or ten bucks, I'm down. Or if you you want to pay for it, then I'll go. All right. Yeah, they come around. The Curse. Yeah, we'll do that. Even though though the... even though the cure is actually still touring and still making music, that's that. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Are they really? I had no yes, idea. they are. Wow. Yes, they are. I mean, Robert Smith doesn't look the same, but he sings the same, and they're still touring, doing their thing. So yeah, they're still out there. Say so if they weren't, then I wouldn't have any issues with there being a tribute band. But they're still out there, so you know, just saying. After all these years, I had no idea. And I listened to, by the way, I listened to a lot of songs uh, from albums going way back. I mean, I listened to a career-spanning selection of songs on both of these bands, and really, really impressive. I've been missing out on a lot, apparently. They are both worthy bands, i got to say. They are very worthy bands. And uh, The Cure is going to be touring in Europe in 2020, um, but they, they, uh, they were touring in 2019 so they are still out there touring and plan to tour again in 2020 so yeah they're still playing and making music and song number two is another alumni dead money is a las vegas born three-piece soul rock band with their words saucy vocals bouncy beats and a nothing to lose attitude the house always wins 
They've been described as having powerful vocals, funky jams, and some real cool cats under it all. Three-piece band, one female lead vocalist, Dead Money is here to bring a cool take on some hot music. And the band made an interesting statement. Worldly things are fleeting. Good music does not have to be. Right? People are long, long gone. I was listening to Beethoven last night. Long, centuries dead. But that music is timeless. And uh, that's what Dead Money believes. And they're proving it by putting out some truly brilliant songs and many different areas. This one has a really laid-back groove that I love. It's just really sweet soul with just a little hint of jazz. Calls to mind like Van Morrison or Southside Johnny or Billy and the Beaters. Uh just an, an infectious good time band and the ballads will break your heart this time they made a tricky but tasty tune with numerous tempo changes somehow seem effortless and while we know it's far from it kicking back and letting the needle ride on this delicious track is the easiest thing you'll do this week apart from listening to the show of course hi right, this is dead money with carmen
that a knockout dead money you can find them on facebook at dead money lv as in las vegas and link to all their beautiful music just a great band out there in the trenches keeping real pop and rock and soul alive and uh, we salute them and happy to play them on the show so thank you dead money and that was song number two that means that means we are up to song number one is what that means and if you thought that was a great tune you're going to be blown away by alex and connie and this song is everybody, and she just released it on 424. So this is brand new, hot off the presses. I was so pleased that I stumbled upon her. She is from the UK. She's alternative pop rock. Now let me tell you about our number one song this week. So she was born in Sardinia, Italy. She is a self-taught guitarist that began singing at a very young age. Her first public performance was in 2006 with the band Stone of Silence and later on her solo acoustic project, Daphne Rose and the Name. She's collaborated with people all over the world. She's been writing and recording her own songs that have been lauded by indie music critics and fans worldwide. She wrote and produced her first EP titled Could We Love? And it was released in December 2019 she now resides in the UK let me tell you about the song everybody that was about the artist and now here's the song this is a soulful bluesy husky and rock vocal with an ideal sprinkling of pop appeal sensibility and potency soaring and insistent vocals are the backbone of this driving and anthemic song the guitars on the track range from funky plucking to power chords to unreserved wailing she inspires memories of some incredible female artists including melissa etheridge and kt tunstall needless to say i love this track and i know you will too here is everybody Everybody alone 
All right, and that was Everybody by Alex Incani. And you can find her on social media at Facebook at Alex Incani Music. That's A-L-E-X-I-N-C-A-N-I Music. And you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at I am Alex Incani. Please check her out again. You will not be sorry. Now comes the time where we tell you what the next show's theme, should there be such a thing, will be. And once again, it's free bird. We're not going to tie you down to any themes or ideas or concepts or anything. It's just the styles we're into. And this time, goth, dark wave, any combination thereof. Uh, We're kind of going a little dark here. You know us. And um, so send us your submissions and uh, be very interesting to see a couple of acts that I know spring to mind but uh, there's probably quite a few out there that we don't know yet that we will be getting to know uh, shortly so stay tuned for that and it will be every bit as great as the pop every bit as great as the acoustic and the metal up your ass and all those shows work and um, so yes goth dark wave anything that uh, loosely gets described as that is fair game so send it to us both on air at gmail.com so that brings us to parting is such sweet sorrow and this is the segment of the show where we give homework for our hell yes or oh hell no segment and this week we are asking you thumbs up or thumbs down to lady gaga we are not going to reveal our cards about how we feel about this artist we want to know how you feel and of course we'll share all of the results and we'll also share our thoughts and opinions on lady gaga I look forward to seeing this. Yeah, this should be great. We tend towards polarizing figures, and uh, I think it's fair to say Lady Gaga is a polarizing figure. A lot of people love her, a lot of people hate her. We're going to find out how the audience feels and how you and I feel in the next show after you. You go first, basically, like that. And no doubt we will wax incoherent, giving our opinions on the next show as well. And uh, you know what time it is, and it's time to wrap this puppy up. Uh, Our next show date, June 5th, scheduled for June 5th, barring any unforeseens. And you can tune in to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, FusionMusicRadio.net, along with other Fusion Music Radio shows like Butterflies and Hurricanes, the Surge Master Sessions, In Details, The Tilly Riddle Show, The Hill Ranch Radio Show, Shock and Awe, and The Soup Kitchen and Audrey's Mixtape Show, and uh, who knows what might be coming up next. Uh, Birds of a Feather is relatively new, too, and we might have something else in the wings that's just as exciting. We look forward to India Immersion with Lou Blacksale and That Liz, so Fusion Music Radio is full of surprises. And, um, well, that only leaves for you to say... Let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.